This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.35 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Chong Jensen and Wong Xiaoning. In half an hour, we have The Breakfast Grill. Jensen, who are we talking to today? So in the hot seat today is Dato Philip Ho and he's CEO of Pavilion Reed. So retail spending is back with a vengeance, at least for now. This is evident in the traffic jams that you see in the mall car parks, packed eateries and also the long queues at high-end outlets such as the Louis Vuitton outlet. However, is this sustainable, especially in the face of a slowing economy which is expected to hit um, most economies this year and also high inflationary pressures. Competition is also heating up and we'll be speaking to Dr. Philip Ho on the return of China tourists, competition as well as his future injection pipeline and whether REITs are still relevant as an asset class. All right, all this and more after the 8am news bulletin. But we're turning our attention now to what's happening over in the much beleaguered cryptocurrency space. Uh, it is... It has become one of the best performing asset classes so far this year. Um, we see Bitcoin is up close to 50% on a year-to-date basis, albeit still less than half the value of its peak 67000 US dollars in October 2021. So this sharp, sharp surge in prices and the collapse of one of the largest large cryptocurrency exchanges, FTX, has invited, of course, greater scrutiny with regulators, with the US Securities and Exchange Commission recently proposing changes to the federal custody requirements to include assets like crypto. So this would mean that investors would be required to draw up written agreements with qualified custodians to ensure that client assets were segregated and protected in case the custodian collapse. This is as FTX bankruptcy documents show that the firm commingled customers and house assets, allowing customer money to be used for purposes users hadn't agreed to, such as crypto trading and real estate purchases. So could these be effective measures for safekeeping of customer assets? And what has been the sudden reason, what has been the reason for the sudden surge in crypto prices? For insights, we speak to Zhong Yan Chan, Head of Research at CoinGecko. Uh, Yang Chan, thank you for joining us this morning. Now, the SEC has proposed changes to federal leg- regulations that would expand custody rules to include assets like crypto like crypto, how significant is this move? And will it make it more difficult for cryptocurrency firms to serve as digital asset custodians in the future? Uh, good morning, everybody. I think this is probably sort of an expected move. Uh, having a, an independent party trustee or custodian to safeguard assets has been um, standard practice, I would say, in the capital market. And um, I think, you know, with this move, the SEC is just, you know, uh, pulling crypto uh, further into the regulated space and, and apply the same standards that has always applied to the rest of the capital market um, intermediaries, you know, to crypto. And uh, obviously, you know, with with this, I'm sure the hope is that, you know, client assets are able to be segregated from house money, from, from the monies of intermediaries. And, you know, if something were to go wrong with, with the intermediary or with the operator itself, client's assets will still be safeguarded. Uh, with the custodian. I would say crypto has been looking at this problem with with greater scrutiny since uh, FTX collapsed. Uh, The industry itself is also pushing for what we call proof of reserves, uh, which is essentially more transparency from the exchanges and from the centralized entities operating in this space um, to publish uh, their reserves or the customer reserves and be for this to be able to be traceable and, and provable on the blockchain so that, you know, we, uh, you know, uh, customers, users, anybody watching these entities are also aware of how much 
uh, reserves that they hold at any period of time as well. And Yang Chan, for the past year, we've seen the bankruptcy of major crypto firms like Voyager Digital, Celsius Network and FTX. And can this move help keep customers' assets safe in the event of a bankruptcy? You mentioned that there should be segregation in terms of client assets from house money, but will this really solve the problem? That's the hope. Uh, if if the custodians are, are doing their jobs and are competent, um, and I think certainly the custodians will be required by the SEC to be registered or regulated in a certain way. So they will have fiduciary duty to keep clients' assets safe. At the very minimum, I think, you know, with with you know licensed custodians coming into the coming into the picture, uh you, you won't see scenarios where the the founder of the company, so some some of them that you mentioned, uh can arbitrarily utilize their clients' funds and and use it for different purposes that may not meet the, the terms and conditions or, or what they told the users that they could do. I think you've got to remember that one of the key user TNCs that that you know investors signed up when they when they signed up for FTX was uh, Sam Bankman Fried uh, essentially promised that he would never touch uh, his clients' assets and they would always remain segregated. But clearly, you know, uh, this agreement has, has been violated and, and there was no check and balance to monitor this. Uh, the hope is, I guess, you know, from the SEC applying the rule, uh, this would be detected in the early stages at least, and this could be prevented. So do you see all these proposed regulations and increased scrutiny on digital assets actually being positive for cryptocurrencies in the future? And should there be a standardised body to do so? A bit like, you know, for when it comes to banking, you have a Basel Committee of Banking Regulators, for example. It's a positive in, in, in the sense that crypto has to build trust and, and confidence, especially following some of the recent events in 2022. In the meantime, I think regulators have their obligation to, to protect uh, for investor protection. And they also need to undertake uh, their duties as well. I don't think, at least in the US, the idea is to create an independent regulator. In fact, I think the, the debate is more whether it should be the CFTC or the SEC that, that takes the lead in terms of regulating crypto in the US. That discussion is still ongoing and where they will land eventually, I think, is 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 going to have significant impact, I would say, to, to crypto because it, it does affect its legal status, I guess, mm. whether, whether it's regulated under the CFTC or whether it's regulated under the SEC. So do you think that the approach taken by the uh, Securities and Futures Commission of Hong Kong, whereby they've outlined a plan to let retail investors trade digital tokens like Bitcoin and Ether, uh, provided their uh, knowledge tests, risk profiles and reasonable limits on exposure are put in place, these kind of safeguards is what the cryptocurrency uh, industry really needs? I'm not sure what the industry, it, 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 it's about what the industry needs. Or what um, investors ra- require. Yeah, ra- it rather, yeah rather, rather than what, you know, I think the, the regulator thinks is, is appropriate for their own jurisdiction. Mm. And I think you're going to see different approaches being applied by regulators across different markets. Um, whether some regulators are more paternistic or whether, you know, some 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 other regulators are, are happy to allow their investors to to do what they want with their money. Um, certainly, I think, you know, for from an investor's perspective, I think just going, taking a step back and going back to, you know, core principles. Definitely, I think if you're, if you're going to make an investment decision, you should understand the asset class and, and sort of understand, you know, what you're putting your money into and, you know, do you understand how you're going to trade this, right? So you should never go into something blind and because of, you know, hype and uh, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Yeah. yeah. So so I think whether that education is, you know, warranted or, or required by the regulator or not, I think, you know, investors should educate themselves 
uh, before they, they invest in any sort of asset class. So does this mean that actually at the end of the day, crypto is clearly not for everyone then as an asset class? It's not it's it's not for everyone in the same way that you know maybe stocks are not for everyone as well or any any other asset class have their own suitable investors, um, depending on you know what 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 they want from their investment and you know how much risk they're willing to take, right to 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 obtain returns from from an investment perspective. I mean, if you're going into it as as a speculative, uh, thinking that it's a speculative asset, then you know speculate all you want, but be aware that there's going to be risks significant risk I would say uh, attached to it right mm. but I think not to forget that crypto is not just an investment asset class crypto also has utility for other things and we do see people actively using uh, some of these applications so you know some people buy ethereum especially uh, you know developers buy ether to deploy apps on the ethereum blockchain right so it's it's not just an an investment asset class into itself so when you say you know it's crypto for everyone I, I think you know to a certain extent crypto uh, performs different roles for 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 different people uh, depending on how they decide to use crypto. All right. Um, very quickly, uh, Yang Chan, in the minute that we have, we are seeing Bitcoin price up around 40% on a year-to-date basis, still very far from the highs we saw in 2021. Um, but in any case, what's driving the rally in Bitcoin this year so far? Just just to put it into context, I think everyone really thought the end 2021 number is, is sort of you know, was was sort of a result of a bubble, right? And you know, those those highs are probably not a realistic sort of watermark or or like high point to mark where where the price should be. But in any case, I think you know, crypto has followed largely the trend of U.S. equities, uh, S and P five hundred, and and you know, risk on assets uh, since twenty twenty two, pretty much, other than in Q four when you know FTX collapsed. And this is the same in, in the start of this year, right? So uh, the S&P has retraced and so has uh, crypto largely because of, I would say, anticipation or hope uh, that US inflation is, is receding and Federal Reserve is going to slow down rate hikes or begin to pivot or whatever, whatever you believe uh, they're going to do with their monetary policy this year. Mm-hmm. So I would say this is, uh, macro is still a big factor in, in crypto as well. Crypto is certainly not uh, immune to macro. And that's why we're seeing that, you know, it's, it's moving uh, closely correlated to the S&P 500 and uh, looks that way for now. All right. Thank you so much for speaking with us this morning. That was Chong Yan Chan, head of research at CoinGecko, talking to us about developments in the crypto space, pertaining to the regulatory environment especially. Uh, 7.47 a.m. We're heading into some messages. And when we come back, we will discuss expectations for budget 2023 from the perspective of women's rights and empowerment. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.